0: Him together, come on, lifting up our hearts with our hands, calling on that beautiful name that's above every name. Oh, we thank you, Jesus. We praise you, dear God. We worship you, dear King. Thou art God, and thou art great, and thou art mighty. We thank you, Lord. We bless you, Holy Father. You are mighty and great and divine. Thank you, Lord. Everybody said, Praise the, Lord. "Praise the Lord!" Good to be right here this morning. You have your Bible. I'm going to turn to the Book of Revelation. All right. Book of Revelation. We to chapter 3, Revelation chapter 3, I'm going to begin with verse 7. And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, these things saith he that hath He that is holy, he that is true, he that hath the key of David, he that openeth, and no man shutteth, and shutteth, and no man openeth. I know thy works. Behold, I have set before thee an open door, and no man can shut it. For thou hast a little strength, and hast kept my word, and hast not denied my name. Behold, I will make them of the synagogue of Satan, which say they are Jews and are not, but do lie. Behold, I will make them to come and worship before thy feet and to know that I have loved thee. Particular attention this morning here at verse 10. Because thou hast kept the word of my patience, I also will keep thee from the hour of temptation, which shall come upon all the world, and to try them that dwell upon the earth. Behold, I come quickly. Hold that fast which thou hast, that no man take thy crown. Everybody said, Praise the Lord. Lord. All right. I want to work for a little while this morning on Kept from the Hour of Temptation. You may be seated. The Lord bless you. I'm going to read to you and draw your attention to the Apostle Paul and how that He had continually recounted his conversion to truth, how he came from the law to grace, for as it is written, the law came by Moses, and that's what everybody pretty much was living under, Jewish wives, and the time came when the fullness of time was come. Then Jesus came made of a woman under the law to redeem them that were under the law. And so grace came by Jesus Christ. And he brought the new covenant, the new will, the new testament. There was a fulfilling of the old by the new. That which would have been very incomplete was now completed. And we are, of course, the Bible teachers made complete in him. And so, very important for us to see the depth of commitment that takes place here with the Apostle Paul. He did say he was a Pharisee. He did say he was of a certain tribe. He did bring out that he was brought up in the city of Tarsha, no mean city, and that at the feet of Gamaliel, which was a teacher and a doctor of the law, of great reputation, or no small reputation, so he had a first-rate education, and as he told one individual later that he was a Roman citizen and the soldier, the captain, said to him, with a great sum of money obtained I this. Paul said, yeah, well, I was freeborn. And so, giving some background, the Apostle Paul had quite a resume and he did say that he was exceedingly zealous, more so than those of his peers. And yet, in all of this, even being a blasphemer, even causing others to blaspheme, holding the garments, the raiment of them that went about to stone men and women, boys and girls, that were followers of this way this truth, this message. They were believers of Jesus Christ. They were baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. They were filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. And Paul was stopped in his tracks on the way to the city of Damascus where he Intended to throw more people in jail. Kill more people. Being so zealous for something that God was not backing up. That God had moved on from. That Paul with all of his learning and all of his teaching. All that he had learned from a child up. Was now fighting. Was now confused about. And yet felt so self-righteous about his position, and uh, he uh, finds himself being knocked to the ground. That a, a great light had come from heaven and put him on his face, if you please. Even took away his natural sight; he'd already lost his spiritual sight lost his way, he was fighting Man of God, truth of God, will of God, yet he made it sound good, he had his spiel, he had his words, he had his way of presenting things that to people who would listen, he was convincing. And yet, he was, from what you read in the Bible, he was oh so wrong, oh so wrong, to where God slapped him down and asked him plainly, said, why are you fighting me? Well, sometimes I think that's a question for a lot of people. Why are you fighting me? Why are you fighting? And there are those that will tell you one thing or another, but they are hiding the real reality of the situation. And so Saul finds himself facing God, and the question is asked. Why are you persecuting me? Why are you fighting me? Why are you doing what you're doing? There was no escaping. You know, God can't put you, shall shall we say, in a corner or on your face or on your back. I remember my pastor telling me that as a young man baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost, 16 years old, brand new. He's actually had been baptized when he was five because mom said everybody load up in the buckboard today. Preacher was baptizing down at the creek. She grabbed a shotgun, jumped in the buckboard wagon, and they all headed on down. She determined that they were all going to get baptized that day, and they did. My pastor was the least or the youngest. The last chip off the block, five years old. He too was baptized. But from 5 to 16, he said, there was a whole lot of sinning that went on. You know, they didn't have the blessings of buildings and church houses and regular services, they did not have that at that time. And uh, consequently, people got baptized and went back to their old lifestyles. Went back to their farms, their fields, things that they did. Society was very much farming oriented then, much more so then than now. And uh, so he lived a sinful life. And uh, the time came, though, that that, uh, God dealt with him and in answer to many prayers that were prayed. And uh, there was a family that the mom and the dad and the kids would pray and live for God under pretty harsh, extreme circumstances. And they would remain faithful. Their commitment was deep. Their roots were down deep. And they... They got word that Henry Dunn, at 16 years of age, had been baptized with the Holy Ghost and fire. (laughs) And the dad exclaimed and said, oh, he said, that's such good news. He said, we've been praying for that devil a long time. (laughs) So God threw the devil out, brought my pastor into the church, called him to preach. That very night, gave him a vision of what his ministry would be. And uh, he went about to do the work of God. He told me he felt like a, somebody that was turned loose in the forest with a pea shooter. That's how remote. He said you had to walk 20 miles one way no such thing as paved roads, to go to a prayer meeting, cottage prayer meeting, get some fellowship. And uh, he said he, he uh, got pretty discouraged. 16-year-old young man, feeling very isolated. And uh, so that day came, and he said, I quit. all ideas that God's ears perked out when he heard that declaration. And uh, as he began to quit and back away from the calling and his commitment and the that which he was called to do and be a part of. And, and he uh, found himself like the Apostle Paul. Found himself on his back Had himself sick and laid up in the bed. And uh, there he lay. And uh, they reported that he probably had contacted scarlet fever. Burning up with fever for several weeks. And uh, (laughs) all his hair fell out. Beautiful head of black hair. Must have been the Indian in the family. His mother was part Indian. And uh, so he heard the voice of the Lord laying there in the bed. (laughs) Said, uh, had enough? (laughs) And he said, I believe so. And the Lord said, no. No. That commitment That conviction is not there. So he let him lay there another 30 days as he lost weight. As I said, all his hair fell out and uh, burning up with fever. But the Lord healed him. The Lord healed him. And uh, got his commitment renewed deepened, never did quit again over 60 years, never did quit again, went on to have a tremendous Holy Ghost ministry, built churches all over different states, including Florida, somebody said anything that was done and accomplished as worthwhile in Florida was because of Brother Dunn. And, uh, you know, after 60 years of commitment, deep commitment, well, time for the Lord to take him on, and he did. He did. Not before he didn't let him lie in state for about 11 weeks so men who'd run their mouths and had fought and said so many hateful things, would have time to combine space to repent. Tell Brother Dunn how sorry, sorry they were. Eleven weeks. Eleven weeks. Then came that day when his wife, Sister Dunn, only woman he'd ever known. She uh into the little room, and he, having been smitten with a stroke, couldn't speak. And uh, that side of his body not working. As you know, if it hits the left side of your brain, the right side's not going to work. And so, but he was able to motion with his hand, went like that. Telling her, I'm going, time to go. And he did. Fell asleep. Difference being that angels came, carried him away. You know, you want to not fear death because your commitment's been tried, tested, and proven. Told you about the Apostle Paul, the book of Acts. We often call about, talk about that 2020 vision, Acts chapter 20 and verse 20. Paul said, And how I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you, but have showed you and have taught you publicly and from house to house testifying both to the Jews and also to the Greeks, in other words, to the whole world, repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. And he said, And now behold, I go bound in the Spirit unto Jerusalem, not knowing the things that shall befall me there, except, or say, that the Holy Ghost witnesseth in every city, saying, that bonds and afflictions abide me. Even a prophet had come through the church at Jerusalem where Paul had determined to return to, to be there for the Feast of Pentecost like a conference to worship. And how that a prophet by the name of Agabus had been sent by God to warn the Apostle Paul whom he took Paul's belt, a leather belt, wrapped it around his arms, his his wrists, and around his ankles and said, so shall they do at Jerusalem to the man whose this leather belt belongs to. Well, everybody knew it was Paul's. (laughs) And Paul knew that everywhere he went, the Holy Ghost was witnessing Over and over again, that there was trouble awaiting him when he got to Jerusalem. And yet, his commitment was so deep, he was so determined. And so, the Bible said very plainly that as Paul continued on his journey and bringing the word of the Lord to the body of Christ. That he got among a group of the church family. The Bible said, right after the prophet Agabus had said what he did, and how that Paul would be delivered into the hands of the Gentiles. They said when he heard these things, when we heard these things, he said both we and they of that place besought him, besought Paul, not to go up to Jerusalem. Verse 13, then Paul answered, What mean ye to weep and to break mine heart? For I am ready not only to be bound, but also to die at Jerusalem for the name of of the Lord Jesus Christ. And when he would not be persuaded, we ceased, saying, The will of the Lord be done. Deep commitment for us to realize this time in which we're living. Very different from when my pastor first came into church a lot of persecution in the early days against being baptized in Jesus' name, receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost with the initial sign, or token, of receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost would be speaking with other tongues or languages as the Spirit of God gives the utterance. I speak to you in a tongue right now, but it's as I give the utterance from my knowledge. But it's a whole different story when somebody's filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. Because it's Jesus sending forth his spirit into your heart. Because he recognizes that you're believing in your heart on him. And so he fills your believing heart with his spirit. And that's when you will begin to confess with your mouth, because he speaks through you. And he gives you the ability to speak in another language as his spirit gives the utterance. Not a language that you know. Not a language that you have knowledge of. It's a language that is unbeknownst to you. They would tell about a dear old sister. She was from Europe. Hungry, Hungary. She was Hungarian. And she was on a bus in Miami. And she felt led to get off the bus when she did. And the bus pulled away. Across the street was a tent. And she felt drawn to go across the street to the tent. And as she was approaching, she could hear. She heard a voice speaking in her native language. The Hungarian tongue or Hungarian language. And she got so excited. Here she was in America. Everything was foreign and strange. And to hear somebody speaking her native tongue or native language was very, very encouraging and exciting. And she ran and she saw the woman with her hands up speaking in Hungarian. <laughs> and she ran up to the woman and hugged her and began to rattle off and excitedly in the Hungarian tongue. And the woman that was praying dropped her hands and looked at her, bewildered. And she didn't know what the woman was saying. And the woman couldn't understand because she had just been speaking her native language. But that's because the woman was either receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost or being renewed in the gift of the Holy Ghost. Yeah. And that she was speaking as God's Spirit was giving her the ability to do. Yeah. Well, obviously God did that as a witness yeah. to this woman who also now came into the body of Christ mm-hmm. and whose brother was very high up in the Catholic Church. I believe he was a cardinal, like a bishop. And uh, she went on to live for God and uh, to understand God's spirit moving and God's gifts. And that, as I said in the early days, much persecution, fighting truth, fighting this message, this original message, this original teaching. All that they went through, church family. And here we are. We have enjoyed. These years, we've enjoyed. Nobody fighting us. We get to come to church. I mean, yes, there are people that fight, yes. But not on the scale that they were fought. That we pretty much come and assemble together. We have church. We go about and we knock doors and we invite people. And we pretty much get to speak freely of the message and the truth everywhere we go. And uh, not like it was in the beginning. Not like that at all. And uh, we're very blessed. And we need to be aware of that. We need to be thankful for these times in which we have been living because the Bible teaches us very plainly, just like the prophet that came and warned the Apostle Paul and even the church that there's trouble down the road. Persecution, waiting. It's coming right on the horizon. Prepare yourself. Get ready. And Paul acknowledged it. He said, everywhere I go. Everywhere I go. Well, you see, we're living in a time where it's easy to get lulled to sleep. There are many people that believe that the church the body of Christ, is not going to go through what the Bible calls great tribulation. They believe that's just for the Jews. It's just going to be over there in Israel, in the Middle East. They believe that they're just going to... Well, they believe there's a Gentile church. That there's a Jewish church. And that just the Jewish church is going to go through hard times or great tribulation, And that the Gentile church is going to be caught out of here, no problem. Kicking back, enjoying the the ball games, enjoying the shopping, enjoying the excessiveness of so many things. Didn't the Bible say about surfeiting, drunkenness, the cares of this life, an excessiveness of indulgence in this world in which we live. That it rocks people to sleep, where the Bible declares that people become at ease as it is written, woe speaks of judgment. Great warning, woe to them that are at ease in Zion. How important it is for us to do what the writer says: stir up the gift of God that you've been given by men and women laying hands on you and praying for you. And you received the great free gift of the Holy Ghost You came into the body of Christ, the church, Stir up that gift. Add to your faith with all diligence. Grow in grace and knowledge. Fight the good fight of faith. Get involved and stay involved in the work of God. I mean, you could become a gamer. You could constantly sit for hours of a screen. Or you could become a mall rat. Constantly just go to the mall, comb the stores. And I remember as a young man, I went into the city. For us, it was just a quick little train ride or 15, if the traffic wasn't bad, a 15 minute drive on the expressway. Come from the island to the city. Go through the Midtown Tunnel, pay you a little toll. There lay New York City, Manhattan in front of you. And and, uh, I remember telling somebody, I said, wow, look at that. There's a store, and big sign, said, sale. The individual laughed, said, man, that sign's 20 years old. Boy, was I green, huh? Oh, yeah. Well, you know, I'm saying, you can get caught up in a lot of things, and the world is vying for your attention. The devil works through any kind of everything, and and you're silly enough to think that's new. Well, the little game may be new, or the little store may be new, the item may be new, the fashion may be new. But it's the same old, same old. It's the same old, same old. Anything to distract you. Anything to get you excited about anything and everything except what the church is doing. What Jesus' business is. And that what it was written, I must be about my father's business. They sought him. Where were you? Why have you dealt with us this way? Where have you
1: been?
0: He said, I, I've got to be about my father's business. I'm, I'm involved with the church. That's where I'm at. That's where I'm at. If you want to find me, look at the church. I'll be there. I remember I had a, the Lord gave me a job working at a bank, and it was, it was a good job. We had struggled and came into church, and I was working a bunch of odd jobs to make ends meet, and uh, very excited about what the Holy Ghost, what God was doing in our lives. It we was brand new. It was all new to us. And the Lord gave me this job, and even supplied a ride down to it, a ride back every day because it was downtown Miami. And uh, we were in a building program. And I remember the day when my boss was a woman, and she was crying. And uh, she had gotten four that I was being fired. And she was all upset about it. And I wasn't upset at all. I just said, don't worry about it. She didn't have the blessed assurance that I had. She didn't have the gift of the Holy Ghost. She didn't have a clean, clear conscience. And I knew I didn't do anything wrong. I certainly didn't do what they were accusing me of doing. And they had no proof of anything. They just figured that's what happened. But, you know, God said, I open the doors. And when I open them, nobody shuts them. But God said, I also shut the doors. And when I shut them, nobody opens them. And so God opened a door for me for a short space of time. And then God said, it's time to close that door. And so he did. But I remember while I worked there, the next boss up above my boss, he uh, called me into his office and he asked me to reconstruct what took place on a certain day, six months earlier. And I said, I can't do that. He said, why not? I said, well, sir, I have to tell you that this is my job. And when I come here, I do my job. I said, but when I leave here and I punch out, I said, my real life begins. I said, I'm called to preach. I'm in the church. When I leave here, I go, I'm helping to build a building. I'm living for God. That's my life. That's where I'm at. I said, to to reconstruct for you something that took place here six months ago? I, I can't do that. I don't go home thinking about, you know, well, I don't remember that time that we had computers, but I guess cash registers or whatever they were. Some kind of. thing thing like that. And uh, I said, I I can't do it. I really don't think about it when I leave here. I cash cash out, I clock out, I'm out of here. Well, he didn't like that because his whole life was his job. Mm -hmm. Well, you know what, church family, our whole lives aren't our jobs. We're thankful that God gives us a job. But you want to remember, the Lord giveth and the Lord can take away. So you want to not be out of balance. You want to remember who gives you what you have. Life and strength and good health, your job, your family, your blessings. Talking about your family in the church, your blessings, all the things that God does every day. That you're, from head to toe your body is working. Your brain is functioning. Right, so many things that it's easy to take for granted. Right. But you know if you're praying and you're talking to God and you're going to give God thanks. Right, you're going to give him thanks that the electrical system is working. And the muscular system is working, and that the chemistry is working. The organs of your body, especially your vital organs, are working. You give them thanks. You give them praise. You don't just take it for granted. Paul said, I'm not only ready to be bound, he didn't say what he said lightly, church family. He meant it. He said, I'm, I'm ready to die. Well, we can vocalize that on a daily basis. How ready are you to die to your flesh? How ready are you to die to the things that your flesh wants to do and that the enemy wants to allure your flesh to do. Tempt your flesh to do. To get involved with. To drift to the right, drift to the left, God forbid, go backwards. Of course, I realize, I know, nobody backslides anymore. Nobody goes backwards. They just change churches. That's how they get away from it. They just change congregations. That's all. Just Look for a porter who opens the door, says, Come over here. The only rule is we have no rules. You can do this and do that and do the other, and you can go to heaven like that. That's not necessary. They just tell you whatever you want to hear. Just come over here, the gates open. But Paul said, I'm ready to die. He could have gone a lot of directions. He could have gone a lot of places. He could have have bailed out. He could have backed up. But he said in one place, I have coveted no man's gold, silver, or houses. I have not. He said, I'm sold out. I'm not living for this world. My life is hid with Christ in God. That's my life. This is it. I came to that altar. I threw up my heart with my hands and God baptized me with the Holy Ghost and fire. My whole life changed for the good. Everything came together. The Apostle Paul laying at an altar (laughs) in a burning hot desert, fighting, fighting. And a light shines from heaven brighter than the noonday sun. You might want to think about how bright that is. And, uh, you know, there were young men, and probably women, in the early 60's and 70's that got caught up in the drug culture and the hippie world. That's what God saved me out of and my wife. And uh, I remember a young man taking acid, LSD, came and stood on the church house steps and was staring at the sun like it's out there today, bright just staring at it with his hands up, eyes wide open, staring at the sun. Now, you're not going to do that too long. You're going to go blind. I remember talking to him. I remember trying to, you know, get him to stop and come into church and what have you. But he was convinced what he was doing was right. His mind, like another guy that took LSD and thought he was a coat hanger went in a closet and hung himself. A lot of people thought they were doing the right thing. It's said in the Bible, and used the terminology, that people did things of their own selves. It wasn't God. It wasn't God's will. It wasn't God's direction. What they were doing was wrong. But, of course, they wouldn't listen to the pastor. They wouldn't listen to leadership. They wouldn't submit to the Word of God. Submitting to leadership, proving and showing that you're able to be pastored, is training, teaching, readying you for what the Spirit said to the church at Philadelphia, the congregation, through the pastor, through the messenger, through the angel. You read them, and I read it to you again. Listen closely. To the angel of the church in Philadelphia, write these things, saith he that is holy. He that is true, there's nothing false about our God, church family. He that hath the key of David, he that openeth and no man shutteth and shutteth and no man openeth. He said, I know that works. You can't fool God. It's been said you can fool some of the people some of the time, but you can't fool all the people all the time. Well, you can never fool God. He said, I know that works. He said, look, I have set before thee an open door. Now, God's saying, I've given you an open door. Let's go through it. And no man can shut it. For thou hast a little strength, and hast kept my word, and hast not denied my name. Behold, I will make them of the synagogue of Satan, which say they are Jews, which say they're a part of the church, which say, a lot of talk. He said, but they're lying. He said, look, I will make them to come and worship before thy feet and to know that I have loved thee. Verse 10, because thou hast kept the word of my patience, I also will keep thee from the hour of temptation, which shall come upon all the world, and to try them that dwell upon the earth. He said, behold, I come quickly. Church family, I am telling you that there is a universal hour of temptation. It's not going to be to one group of people over there in Israel. The Bible's teaching it's worldwide, universal. The whole system is is in the throes of of upheaval right now. There are countries that they don't have enough to eat. There's no money. Recently, one country told their citizens that they were going to have to give up 40% of the money that they had in the bank. That it was being taken from them. So if you had $100, you now only had 60 we were taking $40 out of that 100 If it was $1,000, you just had to subtract $400. And you can do the math from there. People were in uproar, but there was nothing they could do about it. Nothing. How do you think it was in the Great Depression? In 1929. And my pastor lived through that. When people went to the bank door was locked. Couldn't get in. You could see the staff in there, but you couldn't get in. And the line built all the way down the street. People wanted to get to their money. Needing to buy groceries. Needing to different needs in their lives. And they couldn't get to their money. The whole thing went into a Great Depression. There's an awful lot of worldwide starvation right now. There's an awful lot of countries that are, I'm telling you, in great turmoil. And uh, many things are being orchestrated on purpose. Manipulation is going on. I have an article, I've told you before, from the 70s. I still have it. And it's so funny because it was called electronic money coming soon. Well, boy, we're past that, aren't we? Yeah, we're way past that. We're in 2016. And uh, electronic money has been here for quite a while. And uh, everything, more and more, computerized, number system. told you, prediction is five years or less. There won't be any more cash. Everything will be a number system. They want to control. They want to be able to keep track of everything. And they have trouble keeping track of cash. And so they want to do away with that. Think about how drastically life's going to change. Hour of temptation. What do you do when... From year to year, our government, the IRS, changes the rules. And your tax man, or you get online, maybe you do it yourself, and they are telling you how it is this year. What you can, how you have to file, and what you can claim, and what you can't claim, and what the amounts are, and the deductions are, and so on and so forth. What the rules are, and they change very often from year to year. What do you do? You call somebody up, say, I don't like that. I'm not doing that. Let me know how you come out. From behind the bars, they put you in. Let me know. Let me know. You call me and I'll, I'll bring a box of cookies. Help you out. My wife always tells me if I drive too fast, she said, you're going to get a ticket. I'm going to put you in jail. And she said, "And I'm not going to bring you any cookies. That's when I start whimpering <laughs> and I have to slow down a little bit so she won't be so nervous. But uh, I am saying to you that Jesus told the church at Philadelphia. He said, I'm going to keep you from the hour of temptation. Church family, they're going to want to put a, something like a chip under your skin mm-hmm. of your right hand. They're going to want to put under your skin of your forehead, something like a chip. And that it's going to have your whole history. It's going to have your medical history. It's going to have your financial history. It's going to tell how much credit you have with the World Bank. You know, how much you can, when you go to the grocery store. And you slide your hand either under a scanner or put your head in front of a little scanner. And, and it's going to automatically deduct. Automatically deduct. They're going to know where you're at every second. They're doing a pretty good job with that with the vehicles, aren't they? Somewhere in that engine or electrical system is a, something like a chip. Then they track. Things they've been doing for a long time and perfecting for a long time. More and more and more. And little credit cards. Those old credit cards, they don't work anymore. You have to get the one with the chip in it. Now the machines have changed. They have new machines and you have to put a credit card in it that has the chip. And it reads the chip. Conditioning. Conditioning. Who says anything? Need my credit card. No? I remember when I, I wouldn't do it. I I wouldn't. They sent me. American Express sent me new card telling me, you know, throw the old card away. Well, I threw the new card away, and I kept the old card. But pretty soon they told me, your old card's not going to work. You're going to go use it. And it's not going to work, Mr. Feld. And I'm thinking, okay, okay, okay. Well, I'm not too worried about it because that's not under my skin. So I think we have a very strong hint and indicator where we have to draw the line. But there's this thing called unbelief. Just like I told you. There are churches that believe Acts 2:38, one God all over and they do not believe that the church, the body of Christ is going to go through tribulation. They don't believe that. So when it comes, they're not going to believe it they they're going to say no, that's not it, that's not it. And they're going to explain it away. They're going to join the chorus of the whole religious world that is going to be singing the same song. That's not the Antichrist. The Bible said in 2 Thessalonians that when they, he said, you you have no need for me to write unto you of the times of the seasons." He said, for you yourselves know perfectly well. And he went on down through the teachings all about the Antichrist, and he made it crystal clear. When they say peace and safety, then cometh destruction, like a woman with child when travail hits. Yeah. yeah when that pain comes, then it's, get out of the way. <laughs> get out of the way. Where is Sister? Thomas, get out of the way. (laughs) There's a baby about to be born. You didn't know we had a Dr. Thomas in the the congregation, did you? She delivers babies all the time. Oh, yeah. Everybody said praise the Lord. Give God a big hand. Yes, sir. Brother, if you'll get me 2 Thessalonians 2. Yeah. He said, you don't have any need for me to, to write. He said, you should be awake. You should be awake. You should be again. You can read the the weather from the way the sky looks. You know, you can tell when a big old storm is approaching or when fair weather is forecast. He said, but you're not discerning signs of the times. You're not paying attention. You could find yourself lulled to sleep. You could find yourself ah, everything's just fine. You know? The Bible said awake to righteousness. Sin not. Teaching us to even one place that stir up yourselves, fight off the things that want to put us to sleep. Yeah. I'm not going to be programmed by Hollywood. I remember wasn't too many months ago. I would pretty much go to BJ's get church supplies, there's a certain kind of hand towel that that's the only place they sell it. It's a multi-fold, goes in the machines. God knows we go through them like water. And so I was walking in. I usually let the boss go in first. and I'll sit in the car and read my Bible a little bit. Let her get, you know, she's got to go each and every aisle. And it can slow her down if they change, you know, they put things in different places. They switch it up. Cause they want to make you you know that's typical right and so uh, I let her get all that out of the way and then I'll ease on in to do the heavy stuff and so I was coming in and there's this sharp young arty looking young man you know and he's standing there and he's and I knew it I was the mark he saw me coming and I said oh brother here we go and behind him is you know like a 60 inch screen and uh, along with all the other ones behind that and uh, He opened his mouth, and I went, haven't watched television in over 40 years, son. He said, don't bother with me. And he went. (laughs) I just walked right on by him. (laughs) Went and found the boss. Got busy and got out of there. And uh, I'm not going to. By the grace of God, I came into church, and we were taught, and that's the way it's been. I haven't been to the movie house. I remember the last depressing movie. I don't remember the name of it, but the last depressing movie that we saw in the movie house. and Right after that, we came into church. Well, we never darkened one of those doors again. And uh, we're not interested in any of that. We're not interested in things that are going to dull us and program us. I'm not looking to be entertained by the world. Fighting that off. Fighting that off. I'm going to try to be content with a newspaper. (laughs) Read that a little bit and only a little bit of that. I want to remember that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. I I want us to be awake, church family. I want... Somebody got to talking a lot about the book of Revelation and my pastor said if you'll take care of everything up to the book of Revelation he said the book of Revelation will take care of itself. Well we're about up to the book of Revelation. We're living in these times when we're seeing things fulfilled every day we draw closer and closer to things that Jesus taught us in Matthew 24 and Mark 13 and Luke 21 and in the book of Revelation and Daniel and other places here and there we in our subject matter study. And we we need to realize somebody's going to live through that in the name of the church. Remember, it said, when he comes as a thief in the night for the church. When he returns with the voice of the archangel, the trump of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Those that are in the grave, those that died in Jesus, many of whom we've buried right from this church family. And, uh, and then he said, and we which are alive and remain, There's going to be a church that's alive and operating and functioning and preaching and teaching when that first resurrection, commonly referred to as the rapture, takes place. We're going to join them to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be. Dear old Sister Cannon was given a dream by the Lord. She was laying in the bed, she said. And she just saw herself leaving her body and going up. Well, it's going to be a reality. It's going to be a reality. So whether we wake or whether we sleep, there's not going to be a a stopping from that event. The Lord said, I'm coming. I'm coming as a thief in the night. He said, so watch and pray that you get pulled away by the wrong crowd. Lest you're listening to the wrong words, seeing the wrong things, getting programmed to believe in a lot of things that are fake and phony. Please read, brother, beginning with verse one of Second Thessalonians chapter two, if you would. Okay. Hold hold for a minute. Now, he's setting the tone here, church, friends. introducing his subject. He's telling you about the day of the Lord, the coming of the Lord. That's what this whole chapter is going to be about. Okay? And he's saying, don't get deceived. Because he's saying, even to the point that there were those that were just like people counterfeit money. There are those that were writing letters and trying to pass them off as epistles from the apostles. Okay? Revelation said, those that say they're apostles, those that say they're of the church. Okay? All right, read on. Thank you. Uh-oh, that day's not coming. He's going to give you two things now. Okay, that man of sin, I believe. That man of sin do revealed, the son of perdition. Listen. This is what the Antichrist is going to do. He is going to claim to be God. And that's why he's fighting everything that God says. And that's why at the earliest age, they are teaching two mommies and two daddies. That's why they're bringing in the trans. Okay, that's why the bathrooms and so many other such things. I talked about the beginning of sorrows. Well, brother, we're, we're certainly coming to that threshold. Worldwide, we're coming to that place. And many, many things I'm trying to tell you are orchestrated. There are many that believe what took place in New York City at the Twin Towers was orchestrated, if you can believe that. And that they rationalize for the greater good. Yeah. Yeah. They want to bring in a system. I have long believed and taught this church family that what took place in Cuba, I believe it was alive, allowed, I believe it was orchestrated, I believe it was a model, I believe they wanted to study it on how to take over a country. Step by step. I believe that. And you know good well they could have gone down there and slapped the snot of old Mr. Castro any time they wanted to. But they allowed it. They wanted it. They wanted to study it. And they took children from the earliest. They took the older generation, especially those that were educated, and they put them in jail or they killed them. And they brought up a new generation and those that were willing to work with their system. It was... We've been told by people who escaped that they would, students, young lady that was a, she was a dental hygienist and her family lived on a farm. So they were a little bit out from the city and they were a little more removed and they, they had food and they raised their own stuff. And, and uh, she told Hal that you would go to school and they would come in and they'd have a day set aside and they'd tell all the kids, Okay, how many of you believe in God? Kids, would raise your hands. It's all right. We want you to pray right now and ask God for whatever it is you want. It's so all the kids would bow their heads. The kids be, kids, I want a bicycle or I want this one, you know. And then they'd finish praying. They'd say, "Okay, where is it?" And there was nothing. To, and so they said, "Okay, now we want you to pray to Castro." And so they would pray. And at the door, would come in, and they would bring in all kinds of presents. They would give them to the kids. You see who your God is? Castro is your God. And they raised generation after generation after generation. Conditioning, 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 church family. I'm telling you, and you can sit there in unbelief, and you can say, I need that television, that's for my kid, so I can sit them in front of it so I don't have to be bothered with them, and all you're doing, why don't you just hook up carbon monoxide to them and just fill them with that poisonous gas for what you're putting in their minds, what Hollywood, what the devil is sending through Hollywood. Who do you think's writing those scripts? They're not Holy Ghost-filled people. They're not people that believe and love God. They're part of a culture that are anti-God, that hate God, that they're against everything that God's Word teaches. They don't believe that. One man was invited to sing, and some of our men here have met him. Tremendous musician and singer and traveled the world. They would sing songs in multiple languages. And uh, he was invited to the White House and to sing, to perform. And he gave some of his testimony. And he told how that he had been delivered from homosexuality. And the president got up behind him and said, I don't believe that. But I don't believe that. See, this world doesn't believe there's anything to be delivered from. They think that's okay. And you don't dare criticize that any more than the trans, right? that they're doing wholesale. They're taking babies, growing up five and six years old and saying, Do you wanna be a girl today? you want to be a boy today? Oh, yeah? One actress quoted just recently has started a line of clothing that can be worn by either. Well, that doesn't sound so new to me because I remember when they were on the unisex kick. I remember that. So it's just things escalate. More and more conditioning, church family. More and more that the church and its teachings and its beliefs, beliefs in God's word, beliefs in God's way. Hear, O Israel, the Lord thy God is one. And that you're to teach that to your children. Every day, waking up, every day, going to sleep. You're to teach that, teach that, teach that. And, uh, but I tell you, they're against these things. And they're going to fight these things. And they're more and more bringing greater pressure to bear. Read on, please. He being the Antichrist. Go ahead. And therein lies a verse that we all need the revelation on. Please note the word letteth. Only he who now letteth will let. Well, it reminds me of the preacher that had the scripture where God said, I'll work who will let it he was going to preach, and God said, don't do it. And he's like, huh? He said, don't preach that. And he's like, why not? God said, because you're going to preach it wrong. Because <laughs> the word let there does, doesn't mean what it normally would mean. It means stop. God said, I'll work. Who will stop it? Who will resist it? Who will fight it? Only he who now let it. Only he who now resisteth will resist until no, until he be taken out of the way. Okay, go ahead. Yes. Oh, please note the identification of the source of this. Okay, it's after the working of Satan. But don't forget, Revelation teaches you he's going to show signs from heaven. He's going to do miracles. And if it were possible to deceive even the very elect, then what are you going to be doing? Sitting around watching a television? Caught up in a fantasy world? How do they say that in Spanish? Novelas. I don't know. Something like that. You're all caught up in your fantasy world. You're all caught up in Hollywood. And right outside your your door, you've got the spirit of Antichrist that's building momentum and bringing in a system that's going to change things and going to tell you, you come get that chip and you go going to say, I'm ah, just like I did about my credit card. I, mean, I ain't doing it. They said, fine, just remember, your old one's not going to work. Oh. Hmm. Then I'm going to leave home without it, aren't I? i <laughs> not supposed to do that. So what are you going to do, church family? When you're faced, and if I'm still alive when this happens, and I'm telling you, that's the mark of the beast. This is it. Then you're going to be faced with belief. Or unbelief. And there's going to be many, the Bible said in Daniel, that were of understanding, meaning that they have Acts 2.38. They that were understand, They have the understanding that they're going to fall. And in doing so, they're going to try others, test others. But Jesus said, I'll keep you. I'll keep you from the hour of temptation can keep you from that. I can protect you from that. He said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I'm going to be there for my church. When the antichrist, that wicked one, that man of sin makes his appearance and does it in such deceptive ways. And the pressure that will come on, how deep does our commitment need to be? They're all falling all over Paul. They're crying. They're weeping. They don't want him to go to Jerusalem where it's certain that he's facing death. He's following his Lord who on his way to Jerusalem they called out and said, come over here. But Jesus made it clear, I'm not I'm not going right or left. I'm going to Jerusalem. I'm giving my life on that cross. It's appointed unto me to do so. If I don't do it, the scriptures won't be fulfilled. The church won't be birthed. The Holy Ghost won't be poured out. There's so much riding on me being obedient, me obeying and believing. Realize that you're, you may be a small part, but you're not insignificant church family a part of the body of Christ, and that there's a big overall plan. So Jesus went on through. Paul went on through. Many men and women persevered and went on through, in spite of the consequences. They didn't look at the consequences. They realized that the part B be with Christ was far better. They weren't worried about it. And you and I could quite possibly be among that last generation, that overall number of people that are going to live through the hour of temptation. I think that's enough, my brother. Time is out. But the whole chapter, if you read it, telling you about the Antichrist, Telling you about how he's going to deceive. It's going to be important that you do like the backslid girl did that one day out of the clear blue sent flowers and card at our door. Quite unexpectedly. Doorbell rang and I guess... I don't know if a delivery person or they did it and they left. I don't know. But she told us, he said, Felt, she said, I I haven't forgotten one lesson, not one Sunday school lesson that you taught me. I want to be a part of the church. I want to do what the book said over and over to remember. Remember. Call to remembrance, stir up your pure mind by way of remembrance. The Lord said, "I'm gonna keep you. Hang in with me. Don't quit. Don't follow quitters. People let it just have a, a lot of things to say. Don't do that. Don't give ear." You want to give the ear? Give the ear to the Holy Ghost. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit hath to say to them that are listening. He's talking. He's talking. And That's going to be an hour of temptation for the whole world. You know, they used to quote Shakespeare, you know, to be or not to be, that is the question, right? I used to teach on radio, to drug or not to drug. It was was a a radio program about not doing drugs. I'd take questions live. So my thing to you is to take the mark or not to take the mark. Don't take commitment when you're told that you won't be able to buy anything. Nothing without that mark. You've got cash. You know, Germany went through that. You could have had a dump truck load of what their currency was called marks. You could have had a dump truck load of marks. They weren't worth a penny, nothing. They were of no value, oblivious value in their day of depression. whole economy collapsed, collapsed. And they were one of the wealthiest economies at that time. Collapsed. We are living in times, church family. And we, we need to see what's on the horizon. And we need to examine, all of us, the depth of our commitment. Shall we stand? Let's take a moment this morning. Let's lift our hearts with our hands heavenward and our eyes with respect to God. Father God, forgive us. Forgive us, O Lord, of every sin, every iniquity, every relaxation, every decline from your great word. Help us, God. Help us to find a new and a fresh depth of commitment that we would be ready to die For the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. On a daily basis. That we would die to our flesh. That we would die to our will. To doing it our way. Please help us God. Please help us God. To draw the line. To stand. To stand. Won't you help us Jesus? Oh great God I give you praise and glory and honor. I thank you for the truth of God, the message of God, the glory of God. And everybody said, Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. And everybody said, Come on, brother. I almost forgot. you." The old habit started to kick in.
1: So let's just get ready. Everybody say, God bless the offering.
0: God bless the offering. In Jesus' name. Jesus name. Thank you, Lord.